Kevin Warren gives Chicago an update on the stadium. Adam Schefter, Tom Pelissero, and all kinds of other Super Bowl media have all kinds of things to say about the Chicago Bears' quarterbacking situation. The Super Bowl looms large, and oh, by the way, Nick, I think when this actually comes out tomorrow morning, there's going to be some Hall of Fame news to talk about. So we're going to dig into all of that and more on this week's episode of Bear With Us. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Us, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, alongside my co-host, Nick Whalen of Football Guys, I, the editor-in-chief of the Bears blog, and we are ready to roll. Little, let's, let's start with some business, Nick. So you and I have been going with a once-a-week format here in the offseason, and can I just say, every time you and I sit down and we talk for two hours, it reminds me that we could very easily do the two-week format, so we might as well. Right, break things up a little bit. Give our give ourselves a chance to talk about what's going on midweek. Does that bother you at all? No. Well, I feel like there's always news, and if we don't talk more often, then we're then we're like late on some stuff. Too. And there's always new scenarios. I mean, we're gonna have the franchise tag coming around the corner. Then it's gonna be free agency. Then it's gonna be. I mean, there's gonna be a trade one way or another with the whole quarterback stuff. Like, there's always gonna be stuff to talk about. So. Uh, I think more Bears talk is better than less Bears talk, right? I think that's me me, me and you like that, and then yes. all of our listeners. That's so. what I think. Plus, also, listener, if you haven't done this already, we would really appreciate a review. We are up to about 70 reviews on Spotify. We got like 38 reviews on Apple, and we would love five-star reviews if you have the time and patience to offer one. It helps a podcast out like ours a ton and helps us rank among sports podcasts. Let's be competitive about this thing and drive this thing further up. I'll keep giving you benchmarks. If you guys keep killing it, you have done a great job. But that aside, Nick, oh my gosh, we have, I'm actually kind of shocked at how much news stuff we got today. Let's start it off with Kevin Warren and his letter to the season ticket holders, where prices on average are going to go up about 8%. I have, I'm an avowed Dallasite I own a house here. My wife has a business that's rooted in Dallas. I'm not moving up to Chicago anytime soon, but you're a little more local to the area. When you saw this news about a closed air stadium increase in ticket prices after the Bears went from 3 and 14 to 7 and 10, I mean, asking very honestly, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I I was a little surprised at that significant of a of a bump up and and he he led in the letter with, and again, I didn't get it. I'm not a season ticket holder, but this is what I, I've read. He led into it about like, you know, hey, we just got sweat and we just got DJ Moore. We have two first or top 10 picks, you know, like trying to build the excitement, which I get is his job, right? As the business guy to somewhat justify this new stadium's coming. He's trying to be, you know, transparent. He's going to give them news when he gets news. Right. But yeah, I, th- I was still surprised at that because normally, I mean, if you're going to increase the product, you got to be given a better product. You know what I mean? So I think it's it's a little better than last year or the year before, obviously. But I think he thinks great things are coming. But you were talking about the biggest news for me is fixed roof stadium, not not retractable. It's not going to be. It's not you know old Soldier Field where it's open and it's not retractable where it can be closed and open. It's going to be fixed, which to me says revenue. You get concerts. Oh, yeah. Potential Super Bowl. I mean, lots of things can happen there. But it also means, look, okay, so I'm not about to wax poetic 
about the the ethos of bear weather. There's it for those who don't know. If you go and you actually look at the numbers, the bears have been historically poor in cold weather games over the last 15 to 16 years. Bear weather has not been a positive force for the Chicago Bears. Not that I'm trying to use that as a leg against it. It's more like, Nick, there is some, I think it's fun when you play a playoff game in Buffalo. I think that some of these, some of these icy weather games that you get, like what was the one that was just in Kansas City? That game was wild. I mean, Mm -hmm. to me, that stuff screams meaningful football because you see it in December and January. But I mean, I'm not blind to what's going on in Vegas right now, right? Well, yeah. Like, I mean, it's about money. Well, th- there's there's two big games I can remember recently that were cold weather games that went big in Chicago's favor. One is when the 2018 team was rolling, and then they had to meet Sean McVay's high-powered offense. Awesome game. And we, we saw how that went. And I, you can't tell me some of that outdoors, a little colder. When it know, works, not- it works big. When right, it doesn't right. work... The Bears just look like they're bad. You the, know what I mean? I, I got one other one that's that might hit a little close to home there, Robert. I knew you were going to say this. And the fact that you're counting the Dallas Cowboys going <laughs> up against, uh, what is it, Josh McCown and the Bears, where Brandon Marshall came out afterwards and said, yeah, once we saw him huddled up by the heaters, we knew we had him. Like, the fact that you're calling that recent shows how far back we might have to reach to find that big bears cold weather victory but i thought the same game just yep. somewhere on the same page well there's not too many big games we've had recently but anyways <laughs> they're coming so, they're on the way <laughs> yeah well i they, they better be on the way with all the ammunition we have moving forward here in terms <laughs> of draft picks and, and young players the but other- so thick thick roof stadium so to me, that says we're not going to have grass. It's going to be turf, which also be a different thing for Soldier Field. I really could have sworn. I could have sworn that just recently, due to some player player complaints, there was some indoor stadium that got grass, like a grass surface put down. And I have no idea what that may mean for the Bears' surface because at the very least, Nick, I think we're it's becoming very clear that if you poorly implement your AstroTurf, you end up with MetLife Stadium, oh. aptly named because it's a massive medical problem. Mm. Like, it's it, it's wild how bad some of the injuries you're getting on mm. some of these turf fields. And mm. I mean, the other piece to this that I think is easy to forget is that fixed roof does not mean uh, Georgia Dome. If that makes sense, like it doesn't mean entirely artificial lighting. To use an example, I think U.S. Bank Stadium that... Kevin Warren obviously helped build is gorgeous. Like all the natural light that you get from that feels to me as close to the best of both worlds as you're going to get. Not to mention the playoff environment that you get there seems authentic, raucous, and awesome. But Mm. I mean, every culture is in the eye of the fan base that creates it. Right. Mm. And so I have no doubt that bears fans will make whatever the new stadium would be plenty rowdy, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, I don't know, everything from the surface to how close can you get this stadium to feeling outdoors without having to deal with all of the right. honest to God problems that come with outdoor stadiums, because yeah. there are a lot of them. the good memories are great. And all of the other stuff that surrounds it can just be a real hassle. Yeah. And I, well, I'm trying to think in my mind, I know I'm pretty sure Arizona stadium, they, they grow the grass outside and they have some kind of a system where they can bring it they can bring it into the stadium through however it works and i 
I thought I saw someone where they were standing on the Vegas field because it's outside the stadium and they'll bring it in. So I don't know, maybe there are ways to bring it in from being outside or, you know, whatever you want to have some kind of greenhouse where it grows right. and then you bring it in for game day and back out. But I, my preference would be, uh, my preference would be retractable so you can play both, but also grass. So it's better for the players and it's better for everything. Cause there's, there's also some things, Robert, I don't know how, how deep you've gone down the, the turf, you know, uh, conspiracy theories, I guess we'll call it, but there, there has been some studies where they talk about cancer stuff too. So oh, man. I I'm I'm pro grass personally. So, uh, I played I played two years of varsity lacrosse before I ultimately pivoted my interest somewhere else because I wasn't getting any playing time. It's a whole mm. different story. Let's not get into it. Uh, but so at, while I was on the varsity team, especially as a sophomore, uh, would you like to guess how many ACL tears uh, happened on our home field? Uh, male or female? This was male lacrosse. Because females tear ACLs much more because they have the, the wider hips and it's wow, more well, pressure on knees. I don't know if you know that, but um, how how big is the team? So you said in two years? There's about 23 guys on the team. Uh, I'll go three? Seven. Ooh. Seven guys tore their ACLs. Well, that's massive. That's it was terrible. awful. And I mean, now granted, it's anecdotal within that, right? Yeah. But I mean, I got very accustomed to seeing somebody plant, wince, Hobble off the field. They could always get off the field under their own power. Their ACL was gone. And I mean, it taught me a lot about this idea of turf not always better. So when, when fan, not fans, when players talk about how the, the grass did not give, because you got to remember fans, um, Bears fan, the big problem with turf is that when you try to cut on a field and you're, and basically you plant wrong, the physics of the way your shoe works is, is such that your foot will slip out from under you on a mm. normal surface. Like you will just eat it. And as embarrassing as eating it is, it's drastically healthier than the ground not letting go, which at that point, all of the force, if you can think about this like a physics textbook, gets compounded, not on your ankle, not on your heel. It it doesn't have anywhere else to go. So it goes up to this tiny little muscle in your knee that mm -hmm. keeps the thing together and you lose 18 months of being able to move well. And yep. it's it's so hard to just mm -hmm. talk about this because, I mean, AstroTurf pretty much makes you faster. Like, you can cut well, on well, turf. AstroTurf is different. AstroTurf is concrete with a little carpet over that's it. That's true. And it's a lot harder. I mean, that's what Soldier I mean, Field used to be AstroTurf. A long I guess time you're ago. right. I, I think I've conflated the two terms, but it's like turf and all the grippy stuff in there, it'll, yeah. it'll let you cut in ways that you just can't otherwise. It's just right. that it'll let you cut too hard, like cut harder than the human body can handle. And it yeah. becomes kind of, is it a weird metaphor, Nick, to say that it's kind of like pitchers? Where it's like, just because you can throw the ball at 105 miles an hour doesn't mean that your elbow should throw the mm -hmm. ball at 105 miles an hour. Is that a decent comparison? No, yeah. yeah. That's fair. And like, it's also, I mean, you know, we've had games where like we complain guys are slipping. I think you talked about cleats at one point, but I would rather have that problem yes. than lose players. Whether it's the opponent or not, I hate injuries. 100%. So, I would rather not have injuries. Injuries suck. Uh, ideally, everybody can play their starters every single week of the season. Hopefully one day we have a league like that. Uh, but it's probably not tomorrow. And in the meantime, yeah. 
I think that there's this calculated part of me, Nick, that doesn't see the fixed roof stadium as anything other than relatively inevitable. You want to host a Super Bowl? This is how you do it. You want to host Taylor Swift? This is how you do it. You want to host, I mean, name it, right? Dua Lipa, like Coldplay, whatever you want to do. You want to sell out. If you want the future NFL combine in your facility, you want to have, you you know, other sporting events there even you know i mean yeah i mean it's it's about money y'all concerts you, it's about money the only thing you might not be able to do because do, people do like doing these outdoor is like a winter classic which i imagine you could do in and i mean they've done it in wrigley in the past uh and so that's i think if there's any good news to this because i know there's some people decrying the the fixed roof but the good news is wrigley field isn't going anywhere like, I understand it's a completely different sport, but the Chicago fan base is still going to get their outdoor sporting experience, which I think is valuable. You just won't lose football games to the snow or. The, yeah, the the one thing that I think about and I agree with you, uh, but the one thing that I think about with the difference between retractable roof and fixed when it's fixed, you can have that giant that giant replay board scoreboard in the middle. Right, hanging from the middle of the stadium over yes. the center, you know where that where the punters can potentially hit it down there in Dallas. Like, but if it's retractable, you can't put that there. That's got to be on the outside. So it really changes the design and options you can have within your stadium. But absolutely, we're we're, we're like we're like 15 minutes in, and we've talked about Kevin Warren's stadium update. Let's get well, into yeah, that's what we the, should be talking about. I'm let's kidding. get into the goods. There's so there was some real real juicy stuff. A lot of interviews that you talked yeah. about. Oh, My yeah. favorite one was Adam Schefter's. So did did you catch his interview? I liked Schefter's. I think we should talk about Pelicero's. And then the clips that we got from Jay Glazier, which Jay Glazier I read Shep. over, that you have actually watched. I think yeah. we talk about them all. Which one do you want to start with? Yeah. Um, well, I didn't, I don't know that I caught Pelicero's. So maybe you want to start with that one? Oh, Just sure. Just because I'm curious. Well, Pelicero didn't say anything unique, right? All of these guys continue to use words like, what I would do is, which is right. so funny because they weren't really using those words last year when yeah. when they speculated on one thing or another. So mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe Justin Fields popular. It could literally, Nick, tinfoil hat on, be anything from Justin Fields is so popular they literally don't want the smoke or that somebody told them use words like I think because we definitely yeah. don't want things getting out. But or, or Or it's so tight in there, they're not leaking anything. I mean, it's always possible. Right. But people seem pretty unanimous in the idea that in Pelicero's words, that the the logic of the Chicago Bears current moves indicate that a new quarterback is coming, even going to Field Yates, who I think he was on some station or other today. And I caught the soundbite of it. He mentioned the financials behind Justin Fields being a driver, which I always think is me personally, Nick. I actually have come to find that a cop out. It's a real thing. Don't get me wrong. Everybody talking about the cap space. Absolutely. Like it matters. But part of me almost thinks, Nick, if if we were going to pay Justin Fields, we weren't worried about paying him $50 million because he was good enough, then we wouldn't mention cap space. Like the Chiefs are not resetting at quarterback. The Chargers don't regret handing the deal out that they did. The Cincinnati Bengals don't regret handing the deal out they did. Mm -hmm. Do you think, yes or no question, this is a hot topic answer. I have not briefed you on this. If you were a Dolphins fan, are you in the pay to a camp or are you in the let's reset this thing camp? I'm pay to a camp. I'm in the pay to a camp because I think finding a quarterback is really that 
hard. So Mm -hmm. if Tua, let's say, is the last guy in, he might not be the literal last one, but let's say Tua, much maligned Tua Tagovailoa is the last guy in, well, Fields hasn't hit that bar yet. And if he had, I don't think that this would be a question. It's why, to me, Nick, just as we talk about all the things that the media are saying, every time somebody brings up the quarterback thing, I feel like it is a cop-out from saying Fields has not been good enough to be paid yet, if that makes sense. Okay. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I I certainly get it. I mean, um, I One, I think like the the again, there's so many ways you can go about this. You could just say, "Hey, we won't pay you. We'll see how next year goes, or the year after." Like you could wait it out too. Like I think there's a lot of, and there's and again, y'all, you can bear. bear, bear what I'm just saying, bears Twitter, man. Like, like I had people come after me because of just scenarios I point out there, dude. Every option is awesome right now. Like it yes. Is, it is, it is, you're playing Madden and you're like, dude, I could just roll with this or I could trade and get this guy. I can trade and do this. Like, look, we have all the options. It's like, we're playing cheat codes and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to do this now. Oh, I'm just going to have all these extra picks. Like there's so many things Chicago can do. And it's, I think that's what makes it fun right now to it be is. a Bears fan. But you guys have to be open. We <laughs> don't know. Anything can happen. Like, I don't know. They might go with Bo Nix. But you have to be open to the option. We can't be so closed-minded, y'all. Funny you mentioned that. Like, not that not that Tom Pelissero's memory is everything, but at one point, Caleb Williams being number one on people's draft boards came up in Pelissero's interview and he Mm -hmm. said, I'm not gonna quote literally, but to paraphrase what he said, he says, Well, you're gonna have quarterbacks that are gonna be all over these guys' draft boards. Most probably most and heavily implied, right? Like most are uh, of these boards are going to have Caleb Williams number one. But after that, Drake, some are going to have Drake May. Some of them are going to like Jaden Daniels. Some of them are going to like JJ McCarthy. Some of them are going to like Michael Penix. And, and then he, you know, peered off the other way. Look, I'm not saying that just because Tom Pilicero didn't say the name Bo Nix, that right. Bo might be out of the running. But I do think, Nick, it's worth also talking about that this right now, say what you will, this right now is the time of year when scouts, GMs, and draft media alike all really like to be different. And then yeah. through two weeks from, or not two weeks, then about a month and a half from now, you see a lot of people roll back over to where the consensus originally was because they watch that extra game, right? Well, <laughs> they, they go to that pro day. Oh, well, it's, about, oh, but, it's about clicks. You know that, Robert. That's, clicks what, I'm, that's and kind likes. of what I'm getting at. Like, yeah. but do you want to pivot to the Schefter thing? Because I'll tell yeah. you what. Adam Schefter saying that there was going to be a market that would drive the Bears to, quote, at least a second, maybe even a first, drove me back to how I know we felt when we talked about the Mel Kuyper thing, where he talked about potentially getting a first. I don't think the Bears would get a high first under any circumstance. No. But but man, if you could get a first for Justin Fields, I can't help but feel like, number one, that would feel, that would make a lot of the fans that I think are, still making their peace with the idea that the bears might part with fields feel better that at least he was valued about how they emotionally feel. And also Holy moly, Nick, imagine if the bears could go Caleb Williams, Dallas Turner, and then best receiver available at 20 or Caleb Caleb Williams, Roma Dunze, Jackson powers, Johnson, like one, two, Mm -hmm. three, all in the first round. Holy, Lee Moly. Well, well, the, the exact words Schefter used were, do you think you can get a second round pick for Justin Fields? And he said, definitely. It wasn't, it wasn't, 
Probably. It was definitely so. And, and he, he talked about he doesn't have exact teams and he hasn't heard exact asking prices. But if there's anyone to be locked into and to hear things and he used that word, that tells you exactly. I mean, he's like, yeah, you're going to get a second. And, he, and I think he used the words. I wouldn't be surprised if they got a first. And we've kind of talked, I think, you know, off air of like who a first could come from. I mean, Pittsburgh makes a lot of sense. I mean, they need a quarterback. I think they're at 20 or you have a team that maybe missed out on the guys that they wanted, you know, and they could trade back up and get you that late first or, you know, that type of value. But um, yeah, three, three first are going to be excited. Okay. Other things Schefter talked about. Mm-hmm. He had, he doesn't think that the bears are looking to trade one Oh one. He thinks they're going to stay in and take Caleb, which I think is the consensus. I mean, I think that's what, what I right. believe. I mean, I've, I've watched, you know, the film you've watched the film. I mean, C- Caleb's good. Y'all like I, I, I really don't get like the, you know, people that I, I love Justin Fields. If you guys are watching the stream behind me, I have a Justin Fields thing here. I name my dog Fields. Like, I, but Caleb Williams is a good quarterback. Like we can, we can all say Drake May is a good quarterback. We have to like tear somebody down here. Like, I don't, I don't get that, but that's what that news was. And then um, he, he talked a little bit about the doubting to play in Chicago talk. And so did Jake Leitzer. So, so I'll mold those two together, I think, for this. That might be fair. So Schefter talked a little bit about how when Eli Manning didn't want to go to the Chargers, right? And and they mm-hmm. took, they still took him one. And he was like the most pouty look. It was amazing. <laughs> I mean, do you remember that draft? Yes. Yes. Oh, and then and then they took um uh rivers at four and they swapped you know and got some extra off of it that was driven by tom condon the agent and then when elway did it in 83 uh because he didn't want to go to the colts and then got traded to the broncos it was driven by the agent and he said now he's like he doubts that all that talk and that might be coming from his dad or whatever but i've heard everything i've heard from caleb right now the the news is his character is fine he's not the one doing this stuff is that that's not happening, but Caleb also doesn't have an agent. And then Jay Glazer talked about, he talked to the camp. And again, he also kind of insinuated that it's Caleb's dad. That's leaking out this. We don't want to play in Chicago stuff. And it's not from Caleb, which Caleb's one that matters here. Y'all like, Oh yeah. Like, I, I don't know how many times you guys watch like the recruiting, like where they're going to sign. Oh my and They gosh. have the hats and they put them on. And then the parents met. It's what the kid wants, you know, but uh, Jay Glazer said, you got to be crazy to not want to play in Chicago. And, and me and you talked about this on the podcast of like, when, when you're, when you're good and you're in Chicago, like people will love you. I mean, look at fields, right? He, he flashed. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, you could debate bust or he didn't live up to the hype. You know, I don't think he's a complete bust. Bust is way in, too, bust is way too in harsh. The middle. He's somewhere in the middle and, and people love him. Right. Like, like oh, yeah. The bar is so low for Caleb. So both of them don't think that it's going to be this big issue of Caleb not wanting to play. That's just a rumor out there. What, what do you think on that stuff? The pull quote from Glazer is so, so funny. Like he yeah. says, if you went in Chicago, they will build bridges for you, streets mm-hmm. for you, tunnels for you. Are you kidding me? You'll be forever golden in that city. And it's a great city. And this I think, Nick, because I talk about this too often, like on air, not on the air. So it's it's honestly hard for me to remember. But in our last podcast, I'm pretty sure we talked about almost exactly this, that yeah. there would be like one to two days 
where Caleb and his people would think that maybe it was a cool idea to try to go back to Washington, but then somebody with a somebody with a full 32 team mindset would sit down and be like, "I listen, Caleb. This is a bad idea. Like going anywhere else is worse. All these teams earned their picks, not the Bears. The Bears have it from Carolina. They're drafting at 9 for a reason." And look at how easy it is to be a star in that city. And I don't know if we, I literally can't remember if we talked about this, Nick, but like, look at the other option. Washington, like now you got to be a better quarterback than Joe Theismann. You have to be a better rookie than RG3. And you have to be a bigger story than anybody in Dallas, Philly, or the city of New York. I mean, good luck. You want a path to stardom? If Caleb's about the brand, how do you build a better brand? Then all you got to do, man, step over New York or no, step over Detroit a couple times. Beat the Packers once, once. You don't even have to beat them twice. Like yep. go to the playoffs, throw for 12 touchdowns. Like I, I feel like Glazer was almost giving an interview tongue in cheek because I can't help but think that somebody with a full idea of just how poorly Chicago's quarterbacks have played and just how much opportunity that creates would mm-hmm. look at this and laugh and say, yeah. they have, they have a good thing going over there. How do you well, not want to be a part of this thing? Well, you, I mean, again, there, and there's a lot of, you know, pointing fingers both ways. Washington just lost out on Ben Johnson. And they're okay, making like, a like, stink about it. Like they were good. They, like it was locked in for a long time and then they lost him. And that was their offensive guru, right? And I mean, even some, you know, we talked about it, like he'd be great to have in Chicago, you know. So you lost him, and then you have um, uh, Slowick saying he's not leaving Houston. And then they offered Mike McDonald; he took the Seattle job. Mm-hmm. Now they're down, and I like Dan Quinn. This isn't me trashing on Dan Quinn or any of that kind of stuff, but that's what Washington's coaching staffs like right now. And then you have. You know, rumors of they're like a basketball administration or, you know, okay, that's going on. Then you look at the team, you know, like I, I like Terry McLaurin, y'all. I like Jahan Dotson. I mean, there, there's some there's some pieces there. Like I'm not, you know, I like Jonathan Allen, Jerome Payne. Like obviously we had that talk last offseason. It, it ain't Chicago, y'all. And 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 you look no. at that division. Yeah, go. you got to roll through Dallas. You got to roll through the Eagles. It's it, it, it It's not easier. And no. so I know playing at home, you're from there. Like, I, I get that. Don't get me wrong. I get all of that. But Chicago is a bigger market in terms of if you want to be a superstar and you want to take off, you saw what happened to Jordan. You saw what happened to the World Series Cubs. Oh, yeah. You saw what happened to Erlacher and Hester. I mean, and, and that team didn't even win a Super The 85 Bears, we still talk about the 85 Bears. Like, you have a chance of, like, this statue. We talk about building a statue for poles. What do you think if... If Caleb throws for 4,000 as oh a gosh. rookie, it's going to be crazy. He doesn't have to throw for 4,000. He has to throw for 3,839 yards <laughs> because the moment that he breaks Eric Kramer's record might as well be a 4,000-yard season. Mm-hmm. Do you want to guess how many yards a game that is, Nick? Um, 38, 38. That's the record. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 38, 38. 38, 38 is Kramer's record. 243. It is two twenty six yards per game. Wow! You 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 make it through all seventeen games. Let's assume he misses two. 
right? 38, 38 divided by 15, uh, that is 255, the, 256 if you wanted to round up. Yeah. And yeah. so <laughs> this is manageable. If yeah. you have a strong passing season in a mm-hmm. league like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, mean, they, like, and, and, you, and like you said, like this team was – that close to the playoffs last year, like that close, y'all. I mean, I mean a true baby's breath away. And I mean, and that's that's just a way better situation to walk into. So that that part's aside. So then we talked about the the Justin Fields part of the conversation from Schefter. Mm-hmm. He also was asked, and this is Waddle and Sylvie. If y'all are wondering where this came from, that was that ESPN one thousand did a really good um, job. They do, they do. I, well. And you won't remember this one, Robert, but I watched Tom Waddle play for the Bears. I, that's all I've I, seen the highlights. Come on. Tom Waddle was everybody's favorite. <laughs> so many concussions, man. And they gave him the, oh, man. The, 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 what do you call the smelling salts? It was Tom Waddle. Anyways, they asked him if uh, the Bears had talked to Jim Harbaugh and, and Schefter said no. Now, again, he doesn't know everything, but I'm sure Schefter would hear something. Um, and then the other interesting part was this. They said, okay, if you move from one to two, right, you, you swap with Washington, what would it cost? You know, because they said like, well, we were talking about it and someone was bringing out the charts, you know, and it's like a third round pick or something. And But we don't think this is a chart move. What do you think, Schefter? He's like, no, not even close. He said the minimum, the starting asking price to go from one to two, in his opinion for Caleb, is two first round picks. That's the starting price. And that includes a swap, right? Like yeah, two first yeah. round picks includes the first one, right? Yes. yes. I I figured it did. But yeah. I, I do think that's really core, right? Look, I am borderline pessimistic sometimes in trying to stay as dedicated to what's in front of us, like the data that we have in front of us as possible. And Nick, this is the same conversation you and I would have been having about the number one pick last year, where we would have said, mm-hmm. stop under projecting it. Like, this is the number one overall pick. There isn't really a chart that has the actual value of the number one pick because it's so rarely traded. I mean, especially when you look, like, the way I see this, man. So, Dave Kluge, your friend, like, great dude, puts together that thread talking about how much more likely it is when you draft a quarterback first overall for them to outperform the (laughs) any quarterback drafted at any other slot. And my thought, I mean, this is no disrespect at all to Dave. If a guy on the internet writing about fantasy football can put that information together, you think these 32 teams aren't (laughs) intimately aware of Uh how much more likely you are to get a a generally accepted, successful quarterback at number one overall? There's no price on that. Like, especially, God, now granted, I've said this before, I'll say it again. If the Bears think Bo Nix is quarterback one, I would rather them not play games and draft him at one overall than trade back, draft him, and tell me they loved him. I won't believe them. Like, as an, out, as an outside fan, you know what I mean, Nick? Yeah, like, yeah. if they love Drake May, draft Drake May. If they love Jaden Daniels, draft Jaden Daniels. There's a pursuit. There's an absolutely optimal way, Nick, that you're not – I'm going to be wrong. Like, I'm going to be classically wrong when you say, yeah, but if you love Drake, why wouldn't you trade back with Washington? You should, but there's this part of me that's like, no, 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 plant your flag. Like, if you like any of them, pick them at one. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, I, one of these I know, content creators, I mean, it's left, it's be left sitting here, Nick, saying, 
oh, but what if they liked Caleb a little more? They just yep. didn't think they could pass up. Well, it, it, it's just like if Washington picked Dan Quinn instead of Ben Johnson, instead of whatever, there'd be none of the noise. There'd, there'd be, be none way of more the confidence in the move. And now there's not. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that doubt festers, man. That's mm-hmm. not a good thing for organizations nope. inside of the walls and outside of the walls. And, and I mean, yeah. Have you have you seen Draft Day, the movie? How have I not? I mean, yes, yes. I fixed that draft season last year. It was awesome. Yeah. So, um, so I mean, it, it's a movie, y'all. Okay, there's a movie. But when when they when they flopped the last pick and he got all of his picks back, right? It's because <laughs> he knew that they needed the quarterback, mm-hmm. right? That's what this is. Like, it's not. Well, okay, what does the chart say? Well, now listen, what is it? What's a fair offer? That, that's not what it is. Because Chicago doesn't want to trade. You have to make the, and people reference this, and I love it, the godfather offer. You know, I'll make you an offer you can't Do refuse. You, you know? can't refuse <laughs> with the marbles in your mouth. Yeah. And that's what it is. And if you think about what that could be, like, it's it's you know hey I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do this you have to convince me not to do this that's how crazy you have to be and um you know I someone on, on Twitter was talking about how you know Cliff Kingsbury and now Washington has an advantage which we all disagree with but that's also something interesting so they know Cliff right they interviewed him mm-hmm. and Cliff goes there and if they make and again I, I don't know new owners magic they want to get some attention oh we're we're going to get Caleb no matter what like think of the jets last offseason with rodgers and the negotiation was so tough yes there was only one suitor but green bay could hold out cuz the jets already played their cards mm-hmm. if you already know that i mean you can't you can't physically get four first cuz you're going to go 3 years in the future but man like th- there has to be a point robert where you're like okay Three firsts, three seconds, uh, Jonathan Allen. I mean, at what point, Robert, would you be like, I'm cool going with the second quarterback, no matter who it is? There has to be a point, right? I don't know. Like, for those who are just listening to this podcast, I'm like staring at nothing because I'm really trying to comprehend, like, okay, what would it take me to move off of that top pick? And I think if I was Ryan Poles, Nick, I I can't. Like, almost I can't. Right. Like, like, like here, let, let's switch it up, Robert. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so you have a home down there in Dallas, right? Yes. So let's say someone knocks on your door, cash in hand. They yep. said, how much will it take to get your house right now? And See, that's the thing, leave. right? I bought my house for about $400,000, which does right. it. That's not real. Like I bought it for obviously like 3% down. So it's right. not like we had that. Right. If so you that- offered me $600,000, I'll probably pitch a tent. Like and deal right. with it, but right. especially if you offered in cash for crying out loud. But but like but like, but like oh, I got to move all my stuff out of here. Like we don't course, have another place. Maybe maybe after my talking kid, with my, my wife, wife, I'd have like, to bump it to like seven hundred thousand. But here's the thing: the number one over a pick is in a house, right? Like the at least what, is. at least what I'm sitting here thinking about is the number one overall pick represents more than the number overall or the number five overall pick like the soul of the number one or the number one pick is just a little different than every single other pick in the draft everybody else has a board and they don't know quite who's going to be there you don't like you have full control not to mention nick you had this pick last year and while it would be every fan's dream to continue to trade down and somehow land the number one overall pick every single year that's extremely doubtful 
You're going to run up on a Houston eventually. You're going to run up on a team that, honestly, Nick, just loses a normal amount of games and ends up drafting fourth, which is not one quarter of number one. It's a completely different slot. And so there's this part of me, Nick, that sits here, and it's like I, I actually can't think of a great corollary because the moment you trade and somebody else comes up and drafts Caleb, Whoever you draft is going to have the unfair expectations of being better than both fourth-year quarterback Justin Fields, wherever he goes, and also Caleb Williams, who they just traded for. And maybe if he goes to Boston and Caleb struggles and say, Jaden Daniels, I'm going to pick a name that I wouldn't personally draft, but that's a separate conversation. Like Jaden Daniels, the Chicago quarterback, and he is considered overrated by the vast majority of the league because the Bears put such a good team around him that like, oh, he's not actually doing anything, but whatever, who cares? He's winning. Okay, at that point, you're off the hook. But God forbid the quarterback that you pass on plays better than the guy that you draft. You are fired so quickly. Whereas, Nick, maybe this is just a Pulse thing, but I can't help but feel like if Ryan Pulse drafts Caleb Williams and Caleb Williams, it does not end up incredible. Let's say he ends up somewhere between pretty good and fine. So not Zach Wilson, but not a Hall of Famer, right? Kyler Murray. I tend to think everybody will celebrate the move anyways. Even if a guy after him is like Drake May, is a Hall of Famer, everybody's going to go, who could have predicted this? Because all of the lead-up around Caleb Williams has made him nearly unquestionable in the eyes of most media members. At least that's how I feel. Like, when have, who's actually going to question drafting Trevor Lawrence? Nobody. And it doesn't matter what these other guys do. So I told you, it's funny, I didn't think our conversation was going to go here, but, you know, we do what we do. So we... I told you I'm doing this research project, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm diving way deeper, y'all. And I'm not going to give you all the data because I'm going to make an article on this. But so I'm I'm looking at since 2010, every team that traded and didn't have a first round pick for an NFL draft or had multiple. So the, here's just some quick data, and and I think it's interesting because this takes in Brady, Mahomes, whomever. Like they could already be great, they could be bad. So of the 36 teams that didn't have a first round pick. Mm -hmm. So the baseline is the year before they didn't have the first round pick. Okay. 61.1% of them three years later are a worse team. This is is our life as bears fans because we've mm -hmm. not had a first round pick for an awfully long time. So, so, so way more the majority and like it, it, it is consistently that way. Like, the first year, 52% of them are worse. That, that's not including the, like, you pushed. So it, the getting better is way less. 50% the second year, 50% the third year, 61% the, the last year, like, in terms of, like, they got worse, okay? Now, and again, this is, this is I'm just opening this up. Like, if it's, right. the, if it's the craziest offer you've ever heard of, it's Jonathan Allen and Terry McLaurin and three firsts and three seconds. Totally. And, and the offer you realistically can't actually refuse. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So then so then here's the flip of it, right? So you're like, okay, if you don't have firsts, you get worse. Like, and this is like o- over a bunch of franchises over bunches of years, okay? If you have an extra first, Robert, which Chicago has this year. So, that, I mean, you literally could say this case with Caleb, right? But the same data of 33 teams that had extra firsts, 
72.7% of them were better three years later. In the first year, 55% were better. What? And, the, and, and this is going from year to year. So, so right. 55 got better just that first year, like okay. in terms of more wins. From the first year to the second year, 62.5 got better. Oh, From year two to year three, so they're continually increasing. 48.5% got better. Now, again, only 39.4 got worse. So it's not like it's still going. Right, okay? right. And then from the beginning year to the, that last year, the, how many of them got better? 72.7% got better. So okay. I'm just putting that in your mind because, okay, now again, I don't, this isn't, you can't say this is how it is. But if you do this for three years and you start, you kind of think of this percentages, you're like, <laughs> man, I'm going to get a squad. And and, you know, we joked about it, you know, I think off air, but like, you know, you, you, you could make the, okay, DJ Moore will be, okay, he'll be Debo Samuel and then we'll get, we'll get Roma Dunze and he'll be, you know, Brandon Ayuk and then we'll get Brock Bowers and he'll be George Kittle, you know, like you could, the super team. you know, like, like it's not that far off. Now, again, what I would do, you know, like, I'm just, I want people to think of, there are so many possibilities here and I don't know what Pulse is going to do. I think he's probably going to take Caleb. I think I, that's what I would do, but making a super team kind of sounds cool too. That's the thing, Nick, you absolutely can. And I, I want to, if you're willing to believe that, right? Like if you told me that the bears got an offer to trade out of nine, to trade deep back into the first round, head back to like 25 or something like that. Because look, I don't have Tankathon pulled up, but if you wanted to find something to fit this theory, go find me a team that wants to add a JJ McCarthy type where they would deliberately sit him for a minimum year and then mm. expect him to try to take over a la Jordan Love. If that team is willing to give me their future first, man, I will mortgage the moment to, to draft a Keenan Allen that I think Roma Dunze could be and dive back, go get a sweet player at 25. And I mean, maybe you go from nine to 20, you add a second round pick plus a little bit of change. I'm super down to trade down. The problem is, is that you can't guarantee me my Brock Purdy just because you assembled the super nope. squad. And nope, we, we saw Trey Lance, number three overall pick. And the, the Niners finally looked dysfunctional they finally mm -hmm. looked vulnerable the quarterback is not everything but if you watch hockey you've seen that when you don't have a quality goalie the best defenses and the best offenses will still lose a lot of hockey games and mm -hmm. in football you don't need the best quarterback cam newton calls brock purdy a he, he calls him like what a game Game manager. Game manager, but he's so he's so vicious about it, right? right? Like he thinks there's what five game changers, and then everybody else is a game manager. I don't even yeah. think he's wrong in that capacity. That like, or I think he calls it game breaker, maybe game changer. Anyways, the point is when you crack open Purdy's tape, kid is balling right now. Yep. Is he balling like what? I don't know, a top top eight guy. Is the the I, are we at the point, Nick, where the beauty is in the eye of the beholder? Because I feel like we are. 
Like Purdy's making anticipatory throws. He's making anticipatory thro- throws through contact. He is dotting the ball at the intermediate mm-hmm. level, and then he clanks a deep ball off of Vildor's face, and I get that. But <laughs> at the short to intermediate areas, I think Brock is doing legitimately impressive things, mm-hmm. and the only reason I bring that up is not to pump Brock too much. It's to say that his seventh-round pick status has a lot of people missing that San Fran has a very good quarterback on their hands, yep. at least classically speaking. And so... Yeah. If the Bears got a Kyler Murray, then, man, do literally whatever you want with the rest of it. Like Mm -hmm. Dallas Turner versus JPJ plus a second-round pick, uh, I think there's an obvious choice there, right? Right. Or Dallas Turner plus, what do you think, Brian Thomas plus a second-round pick? Like maybe you get a Zach Frazier type to come Mm -hmm. play center for you? Uh, Okay, like we're talking. Mm -hmm. I just think – Whatever, I've said this so many times, I'm sorry because I think I'm getting repetitive at this point, Nick. You've got to make a quarterbacking decision in 2024 that your intention is for it to not change until 2028. The goal is to get to 2027 with the same quarterback you end 2024 with. Mm -hmm. And if you don't think it's Fields, then you don't think it's Fields, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. and like I think I think the whole thing of this is I mean, I I don't know. I mean, we've we've done our film study. Like I think I think Caleb is a better quarterback. He's a better prospect. He's he's better than Fields. It's just you have to you have to gauge how much better but cost. we but we but we have to put it in context, y'all, of like there's so many ways to win at the game of football. Yes. Like like, oh, but we need to get our Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. 31 other teams want their next Patrick Mahomes, y'all. The, like there's one of those guys. Man, like Nick. To to build on this is yeah. the deep irony of this conversation. Not that if the Bears did get big Kyler Murray, that's a hell of an upgrade. It's like good. it's even just getting pretty good at quarterback goes a really long way. I mean, Tua Tua is fine in the eyes of many evaluators. Tua is what like one step. He's probably playing right at Purdy's level. If I was just going to go one-to-one, but you get him Tyree Kill, you get him Jalen Waddle, like, who cares? And you can win a lot of ball games. But that's that's the point. You could load around Justin Fields. You could load around Drake May. You could load around anyone. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying it has to be whatever. I'm just saying there's many ways to win at this, y'all. Like, I mean, there's even... Okay, let's just go crazy, okay? Let's say they build the perfect super team. I think Tyson Bajant can win you games. Like, you know what I mean? Like you could, like it's the perfect O line. You got the run game. You got weapons everywhere. Like, like you can do that. I'm just, I just want people to understand that it's not like, okay, Caleb's got to put his, his Superman cape on and win whatever. The, the Bears aren't in that out of shape, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, they have the ninth pick. They can still get stuff, but there's just so many ways to win. Um, but I think it's interesting if, if Washington gets desperate, if it's something stupid offer if you're like "Mm," if we listen okay so my loyal all 20 tuesday viewers are going to already know where i'm going with this but nick have you ground any uh shane film at this point waldron yeah waldron no but i've watched seattle games so there's a bunch of stuff that i could tell you about that i'm really excited about i'm planning on Mm. putting some stuff out about it both short form on twitter maybe some longer form stuff on youtube it's literally a matter of time my job has been killing me but there's one position that i keep seeing really pop 
on Seattle's film. And it's the one piece to this bear's puzzle that I don't literally think anybody else on the internet is talking about. Do you know what that is? Which position that I keep seeing Shane use that the bears really don't have right now. Tied into an impact runner, like a, oh. a Kenneth Walker. Well, they like, got, I, I like Charbonnet too. That's the thing. I really like Charbonnet as a prospect mm -hmm. and Kenneth looks outstanding when you give him the ball. Like I could talk about his contact balance, but it's vision that really sells it where he'll hit the cutback lanes. I mean, you know, this outside zone is the jazz of running game. Like you get everybody in motion and the defense just has to move to account. Most of the time that movement forces the defensive lineman to declare which gap they're defending. And from there, a running back with elite vision can just pick out holes that you don't get in inside zone. And I don't know. No, I, I don't know what the bears are going to do, but I can't help looking at this. And I think Herbert is a Herbert was drafted originally to play in outside zone. Like back when the bears were still running well, yeah, it with that's, it fits. Well, you know, what, what's interesting, what's interesting with those two running backs is they're polar opposite. Like you had Kenneth Walker and you're like, you know what? We're still spending a second on Zach Charbonnet. I think, and part of that is because they're so different. Like you're talking mm -hmm. inside zone or you're talking outside zone where you only make like one subtle cut. That's Zach Charbonnet. Right. You want the guy with the huge drastic goes for home run runs. That's Kenneth Walker. Like yes. there's, they, but you could put that pair. You can, like you're saying Herbert and you can get someone else and you can make that work too. It makes me wonder because I think that they've got the requisite running backs to do it. Right. But it makes me wonder if the bears are going to take a shot with like a third round player. I just don't think there's the back in here to try for the second round. Right. They're not that, they're not that good. But I mean, look, I want a safety in the third round, like the Dickens. But if somehow you traded down, you added an extra third round pick, and somebody like Trey Benson fell to you. Now I'm not like all the way through my scouting report. I just remember I was watching Jaheim Bell the other day, and I went, "Who is this kid for Dude, Florida I, State?" Like, I, I like Trey Benson. I'm very interested as to what the Bears would do at running back because Saquon's not coming to Chicago. He's just too expensive. It would be way too much time. Uh, like weight on their cap space but i think the running back is about to break re-break out in the nfl because as we shift to too high these runners are doing damage yeah. and it's just a matter of well are the bears going to lean into this because waldron mm -hmm. might be exactly the kind of guy to pound the table for it unless it turns out it was carol all along that wanted to do all this running stuff Dude, I, I thought it was going to be tight end two as your position because he he loves 12 personnel, man. So loves. he does, but you also have to remember that the offensive line in Seattle has been oh. bad forever. And I say this because this actually lets me segue into the other Bears Twitter topic of the day, and that's uh, Jackson Smith Jigba's silence is deafening moment in talking about Shane Waldron. Bears fan, just think about this. If you haven't watched the tape, I'll describe it for you. You have two out standing receivers in DK Metcalf, utter physical dominating force, and one of the craftier technicians in the NFL right now in Tyler Lockett. You have a five-man offensive line that cannot really block for you at all. And so, well, and they got injured last year too. And they got injured. But so when we count through that, okay, so we've got two people. Now we add another five. Now we're up to seven. The quarterback's on the field. We have eight. We probably have a running back that we want to stash in the formation. Nine. What are we going to do with the other two players? Twelve 
is the really easy way. And Shane uses it all the time. He'll put two tight ends in the backfield and use them to hit certain blocking angles or like a normal person, or I don't want to say like a normal person, but more like the normal NFL, Nick, he'll put both tight ends up on the each end of the line and let them either chip or spread out the gap situation in the run game. Doesn't that make more sense? When you don't trust your offensive line, that you're going to get your two-star receivers, you're going to get your star running back, and then you're going to have blocking support that you basically can shift around like two little H-backs all over the formation compared to getting your wide receiver three moving. Like, Mm -hmm. I get why JSN is frustrated. I actually do. But Mm -hmm. I don't think it's an indictment on Shane so much as JSN maybe not seeing the bigger picture that he wasn't really needed (laughs) within the fabric of the Seattle offense. Well, he, he's also a rookie. He's a rookie that's been with Shane for one year. There's a lot of guys that have been there a lot longer. And yeah, I'm sure you're a rookie. You, you're you used to getting the ball all the time. And then you go there and you have these veterans in front of you. And you don't get the playing time that you were going to get or you imagined. Yeah, you'll be a little frustrated. But you look at the 49ers. You look at Detroit. Detroit had six offensive linemen often in the playoff game. You, they're, they're not playing all their personnel all the time. They're rotating Gibbs and Montgomery all the time. Like that's just how it's going to be until you have reached a threshold or Tyler Lockett retires. Especially since we're talking about a team that missed the playoffs, like very bitterly too. the Seattle Seahawks missing the playoffs was not good for anybody in that organization. And Nick, I'm sure. Have you been in a locker room like that? Oh, okay. Real life. My first year at Western, we were six and one. Uh-huh. Okay. We were first in it was the one uh, AA at the time. Mm-hmm. Our only only losses to Auburn, which we were gonna lose, right? Whoops. So we're ranked first. Uh-huh. We lost four games in a row and didn't even make the playoff. So I have to imagine that the locker room was contentious after oh, that loss, huh? Oh man. I'm I'm not I'm not gonna go into details. It wasn't good. No, it that's all I'm it wasn't saying. Good is you're asking the wrong person at the wrong time what he thinks about the offensive coordinator that isn't there anymore and he doesn't have to be nice, right? right? Like, I just, I can't help but think that that quote is kind of a nothing. And if you want to see negative, like, absolutely, you can look at that and see negative. Don't get me wrong. But JSN of all people is going to be pretty biased in one way or another. And I think that's okay. He's allowed to be. It was just a funny comment. Yeah, and even if you're concerned about that, then the Thomas Brown is there. Like, like we talked about, they've built a great offensive staff. Yeah. Like, I have, I, it's odd that I am this confident in the offensive staff. It's been a while for me. It, it's everybody good except the wide receivers coach, and even the well, wide, receivers wide receivers coach, coach might be fine. Oh, nothing, nothing specific. It's just that mm-hmm. he's the only one that's out of system. So, oh right, yeah, like system, yeah. <laughs> that's it though. Like everybody yeah. else is in system, speaks the same language, track mm-hmm. record of success, or having worked the position just above them. Like it's it's kind of killer, but <laughs> I don't want to get too excited either. Yeah, and Nick, we're deep enough in the podcast where as we pivot towards trying to curl this thing in about an hour, hour ten, well, there's a big game. Coming up this weekend, easy to forget, isn't it? How are you feeling? Who do you think wins? Gosh, it. I'm honestly. So I predicted these two. These were the two I picked from the last week or two weeks from ago. last week, not from Jump Street, but from last <laughs> yeah, week yeah. from from the, from the championship games. And um, I I know people like they hate because of the Taylor Swift stuff, or they hate because Patrick Mahomes wins all the time, or the Chiefs. 
I like the Chiefs. I like dynasties. So I don't shy away from that. But Colin also Coward moment. <laughs> right. But also I like oh don't don't do that to me, man. Uh, but I also like um I like a lot of the 49ers players. I like Kyle Shanahan. I like how hard they play. I mean, I watched the highlight reel of Juwan Jennings blocking. I was like, oh, that's juicy. Mm-hmm. Wide receiver blocking. So I'm gonna predict. We're going predictions, right? Or do you have thoughts on the game first? Well, do you want to do you want to go through some of your favorite matchups at the moment? Well, I, I think that um it's gonna be very interesting to watch early in the game if the Chiefs can stop Christian McCaffrey's zone running. Because mm-hmm. that's what they do most of the time, and the Chiefs aren't good at stopping it. And so I think that's the matchup early on to watch. And then from the flip side, I know people think this is like not shocking, but it is what it is. Uh the 49ers haven't been good against tight ends recently. I mean, Laporta did well. I mean, you look at the, just their last game. Um, you look at uh, some of the games against Green Bay, even though those rookies did okay against them. I think Travis Kelsey's really going to eat. So, so really, you're playing into the, like kind of the strengths of both teams, and it's going to be Spagnola, who I love. I think he's a great X's and O's guy. If he can scheme his guys into – making them have one bad first down run, and then second and long, and then he can get his exotic blitz looks. I think that's going to be fun. The one down thing that I saw, if I remember this correctly, I think Donovan Smith, the, or no, I'm sorry, Juwan Taylor, the the tackle, um, I think his mom passed away. So I hope he, oh, that's brutal. Um, I, I, if, if I recall correctly, so I hope he still makes the game, but that's uh, that's sad for him on such a special week, you know? It is. That's really sad. Yeah. I, heart goes out to him. I mean, what I think is so funny when you look at this football game in particular, Nick, is the star. So the more you look at last week's games, to me, and I hope that I'm not about to piss somebody off, I can't help but see John Harbaugh mismanaging a really key Ravens game. I mean, truly, it was as if Todd Monken and John Harbaugh thought like they got as panicked as the Chiefs ever hoped that they might when the Chiefs pulled out their only two touchdown drives of the game, right? Like the Chiefs basically brandished the sword early and get, cut them a couple times and said, we can do this whenever we want to. And from there, the Ravens went into an incredibly passing-focused attack that played right into the hands of what this Chiefs defense does well. You know what I'm saying? I don't Sorry, think... I'm, 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 I'm looking for the news because I, I want to double-check that I was correct on that. No worries. And let me know when you know, but just to continue to fill the time, because I do believe this, like these chiefs defensive backs make my DB soul so, so happy. Like Trent McDuffie, Ladarius Sneed, the way Spagnola allows this defense to go at people. Man, Nick, this is such a fun back seven to watch play football. The question is going to be, are they ready to face down? a San Francisco 49ers tack that has based themselves in the run game ever since the moment that Kyle Shanahan let 28 to three slip away from his fingers. Like it's, it's such a wonderful matchup on that side of the ball. Cause I can't help but feel like Patrick Mahomes is going to get all of this attention, but Patrick is kind of what, what would you call this? Like Patrick is the red herring in a sleight of hand like that the chiefs are trying to do. They want you to focus on Patrick Mahomes because if you do, you might miss the fact that this chiefs running game is working. 
right yep. now. Yep. They, you might miss the fact that this Chiefs defense is coming after you. And so what I can't help but hope, Nick, because I can't say this for sure, is Kyle Shanahan is ready because the Chiefs are going to throw their best punch early. They may not have another one. I, I won't be shocked if the Chiefs are expecting that they're going to have to just figure it out once they get to the second half and the 49ers make some adjustments because they just don't have the dudes to really grind down what is a good 49ers defense that's been underperforming lately. So who knows? Maybe they I, keep underperforming. But Well, that's the thing is I feel like this 49ers team hasn't played up to expectations all playoffs. No. Like they and, and they've had two comeback wins, which is very on Kyle Shanahan-like. Where they, it's not a team that can fight from behind. Um, yeah, I, it, it is... I think this is going to be a good Super Bowl. I think, I you know, so. that's what I hope for most of the time. But this is two of the best coaching staffs. You have two of the most talented teams got here. Nothing's really lucky. And it's really going to be see, like, the the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey greatness. I'll even put Spagnola in there because he's had some great Super Bowl strategies mm -hmm. on defense. I mean, that's the guy that beat Brady, y'all. And see if he can dial up another one. Because, I mean, they... They were not the most talented team in the Baltimore game, but they still made it work. So it's going to be pretty fun. And yeah, I, I did. I did just look it up. So yeah, Joan Taylor did uh, said he loses lost his mother a couple of days ago. Wow, he's dedicating the game to her. So like that's wow. that's one thing you 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 feel for him on that moment. And um, you know, I, I think it's going to be um, you know, I mean, dedicate when that's the thing is like when you dedicate games to people too. Sometimes some special things can happen, too. So that could be uh, a cool moment for him. We'll see. I mean, I thought Nick Bosa did. I mean, granted, I've not been part of the media that's really talked a ton about the Lions and the 49ers game. But I thought Nick Bosa was the only reason the game didn't get out of hand in the early yeah. portion. Like, especially because there was something special to me, Nick. And I thought it was so cool about how Nick Bosa sacked Jared Goff twice, but especially one he sacked him on, I think, like a first down and pretty much stopped a Lions rally by himself, but he didn't celebrate it at all, right? He throws the guy on the ground and just stands up and walks immediately without missing Wait, a beat. Was that the play action, right? I, I can't remember if it was specifically half? play action because it was in the okay. first half. The, oh, okay. like and then he didn't hesitate at all he didn't look at the camera he didn't stand over anything i mean nick he dropped him he stood up and he walked back to the line of scrimmage and i was like yep. okay so he's locked in there. yeah he's locked in yeah <laughs> like the the chiefs are gonna need Jawan taylor to play pretty well here because mm -hmm. that's that's a dangerous man on the yeah. other side of the ball it really should be a game where I think the worst part about this, Nick, is that sometimes you come into a Super Bowl with a clear favorite team. I mean, I think the Chiefs are just fun to root for, so I'm right there with you. But if I take a step back, both of these teams are fun to root for. Yeah. Both of these teams would be awesome, awesome Super Bowl champions. There is truly neither team that I am groaning and hoping they lose. If anything, maybe there's this sick part of me that wants the Chiefs to win because I think you're going to see a retirement domino that happens after that. Ooh. Like, you think had, Andy Reid and Kelsey? If I had a hot take, if I had a hot take, it's that I think Kelsey may be done. And the moment that Kelsey's done, I think Andy may think about it because you got to remember that next year is when Mahomes is 
like contract really starts to crunch the chief's cap and Hmm. what better way to go out than being on top maybe that's not the case maybe maybe that's not what he wants to do but i tend to wonder at least whether this could end up a last hurrah but if they lose now there's unfinished business like it doesn't matter if you won two of them why would they go anywhere they've got something to prove right Uh, so so is this your predict who are you who are you going with i think your prediction i think the chiefs win uh, I think the Chiefs win it tight. I do think the Niners defense struggles to to contain the Chiefs quite like the Ravens did, but I won't be surprised to see the Chiefs misfires potentially bite them. If there's one player I'm really intrigued in, Nick, it's that Sky Moore just recently got activated. I actually thought tinfoil hat on that they had been keeping both of these guys, Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore, in the injured reserve on purpose so to see him activated is funny to me if only because he's somebody that i just wouldn't want to give snaps to in a game like this dance with who brought you don't put him back in <laughs> they, they both caught touchdowns in the super bowl last year robert come on man uh, you're right like you're right sky moore's return was a big deal in that super bowl performance so maybe they bring him back as a punt returner i no, think- no no the, the the return was by tony but remember they both saw the eagles in in man and they both had that return route. Yep. Mm-hmm. In motion. You're right. Touchdown. One was to Tony, and they did the same thing to Moore on the other side. It's oh fun. So I'm going to go with the 49ers. Good. I'm my, glad my, we have differences. My gut tells me Kansas City, but my head says that the 49ers are more talented. And I think Kyle Shanahan finally gets his first. The question to me is going to come down to what happens when Brock Purdy gets blitzed. And Spagnola has covered it up, like or covered up what the 49ers are doing on the back end. It should happen now and again. When it has rained for Brock, it has poured. And Brock is willing to close his eyes and just put the ball up for the Angels in the outfield. You well, know what well, I mean? Did, did you watch the last game? I mean, Brock yeah. Vick was really making some runs happen on his on his own. Yes, uh, totally. Don't Bro- let Brock, me. Brock, Brock Cunningham. What was it? <laughs> I, I think I called him Brandel Cunningham it's, last time. It's the Brock pot, man. You get slow cooked when you get put in the Brock pot. Dude, he, but... he, he had some scrambles. I was like, all right, man. Oh, he can play, but I sit here wondering if the Chiefs are just going to try. I, I don't know. It's the it's turnovers, right? Basically, yeah. if Brock throws two picks, I think that the 49ers may struggle to get over that hump, but that applies to any team. It so who's to say that it's going to be this game? I just think it's this Chiefs defense that keeps getting underrated with what they will eventually do to you when you try to throw the ball. But can mm-hmm. the for, or can the Chiefs force the 49ers into past situations. I don't know. I guess we'll see. It, it, it's going to be fun. I have, I have one more thing, man, before we close out. And this is exciting. So the rumors, y'all, and again, when this comes out, they probably will yes. know more, but Hall of Fame. So Steve Mongo McMichael um, will be in the Hall of Fame as a senior candidate, which is awesome. And then Julius Peppers will make it in. Um, and Devin Hester will make the Hall of Fame, which is, I think, super exciting. That, I, I mean, it's tough between Mongo and him. I mean, Peppers, yeah, but he played with other teams. I mean, Mongo, I mean, played for the Bears forever. I mean, I remember him growing up uh, and just kind of a, a Bear through and through him with that 85 team. And then Hester, it's always been that, can a returner get in? And, and all of the debates of the best returner. And I, I'm always this way, Robert. 
the best pure returner of all time is Devin Hester. The best kick returner, you could debate Cordell Patterson, Gail Sayers, also two bears. Hmm. Right now he's the best punt returner, but when you combine best overall returner, it's him. And it's not Brian Mitchell. You know, that you look at the, the touchdowns matter. Like how many games did he change Robert based on Tons. a huge return or a touchdown? I mean, you could argue that Hester was part of the Bears offensive fabric. I mean, not just in the receiver days. I mean, I remember those days watching the game or watching games where if the Bears offense was not playing well, you legitimately thought that the defense and the special teams might win it for you. And they did more than once. I mean, mm -hmm. the Bears hold all kinds of strange and unique records. I will never forget the fact that the Bears set the record for lowest passing attempts in a win with Mitch Trubisky's seven pass attempt game against Carolina and an Eddie Jackson pick six, put them over the top. This is the story of our franchise, man. But mm -hmm. beyond that, to me, when you change the game, you should be in the Hall of Fame. And yes. Devin Hester changed the kick return rules uh, generally because I think he was at least part of why they saw that kick returns were as dangerous as they were and then basically just kept moving the ball around. Right. It's my whole argument. I don't want to take this amazing moment for Mongo. I don't want to take this amazing moment for Devin and make it about one of my biggest gripes. But I think it is a flat out crime that every broadcaster once a week will bring up the peanut punch. And we have to wait until the senior committee to see the guy it's named after end up in the Hall of Fame. So it's I, I would think about it like the Steph Curry rule, Nick. When you change the way the game is played. You yep. should be in the Hall of Fame, and there's really not any question about it. It doesn't matter how many Pro Bowls writers at the time were willing to give Charles mm -hmm. Peanut Tillman. It doesn't matter how many All Pros people couldn't figure out that he deserved that. That just doesn't matter to me. Like, All right, we we gotta we gotta table that though, because I, I I mean, there's just so many things I think to talk about with this. I mean, we should. I well, I think about Hester, right? You think about like. You know, I mean, obviously that rookie season, that second year were his best years, right? All of those return touchdowns. Like I, I, I remember like, you know, when you hear a song and it just takes you back to somewhere. Yes. I remember that Arizona comeback game exactly Amazing. where I was in my buddy's apartment in college. And I remember them coming back and I was like, I'm like, oh, okay. Hester's good. Like he's got to return this. This is our only chance. And they returned it for a touchdown. I was going nuts. I remember the Super Bowl opening kickoff returned and i and literally i'm in there watching with my buddies again in college and i was like we're gonna win the super bowl you know like th th this is it like we're finally gonna get it and then i just watched peyton manning check down all day and we couldn't stop it in the rain nick i was a seventh grade kid that went to bed the night before wondering if my hero was going to take the like take a kickoff back and i thought to myself and it would just be so cool if we saw a Devin Hester or like a Devin Hester touchdown return and a Brian Urlacher pick six. And I got one of them on the first play of the game. <laughs> I mean, iconic, iconic moment. There are some funny Bears memories when you think back there. I still remember the Arizona game for some, it's burned into my brain. Not that one. Uh, the other one, I think the season after that, where Arizona misses the P like they miss the PAT to leave the game tied and oh, end up where the bears like grind their way back and score where uh, <laughs> there's some amazing bears mm -hmm. memories. But what was the craziest to me was when I found a, uh, 
I found one of those Devin Hester highlight reels where they didn't do the thing where they slow it down. Uh, the guy was fast. Oh. Like watching him just blur past people is something different. Mm. And it's wild to watch a player that good at his craft. He deserves the honor. I'm stoked. Yeah. Well, and, and even you talked about changing the game. It's not just changing the game of, well, he scored more return touchdowns than anyone else. And he got all these return yards. I mean, they squibbed, they kicked short, they kicked out of bounds. Like the bears had amazing field goal or field position because of him. Like he, it was, it was the, you know, the older guys will remember this. It was like the Ricky Henderson effect. Like the pitchers had worse pitches because they were shaking because Ricky was going to steal first and second and second and third. Like that has, you know, you think of like momentum that has an effect when you're like, okay, I can't get kick it to this guy. So I got to do this. And all of a sudden the bears are on the 40, they kick it to Daniel Manning, big return from him. Cause, Cause they weren't set up or you have the one that should have counted where Hester fakes it and Johnny Knox catches it against green Bay where it turns it all the way. And then people copied it later. Like that's his presence and his ability changed the game. I was actually at that game. If you can believe it, wow. Dallas fan. I was at the, uh, that was the Packers, wasn't it? It was Packers. And I remember the funny part is everybody's eyes were on Hester in the crowd. You think we were watching the ball? Are you crazy? <laughs> so then, then Knox ends up in the end zone. Everybody's confused. And it's so funny looking back because I'm pretty sure the ref called a hold on a block that was so inconsequential. It did not matter. Huge. Yeah. Huge shame that that or that that play didn't end up accredited to the Bears. But what a wild career number twenty three had! What an amazing battle Steve Mongo McMichael had against its ALS, right? Yeah. And so yep. to to see him get honored in that way was amazing. Mm -hmm. You're just hearing somebody who has an emotional connection to one of these players. And I would talk about Peppers if you want me to, but he was an amazing free agent in Chicago, but yep. he'll go in as a Panther. But I don't want, I, I literally don't know how to honor Mongo like properly on a podcast yeah. because what an amazing story, what an amazing part of an amazing team in football history mm -hmm. that will never be forgotten. And mm -hmm. it's cool to see him honored. Really, really cool to see him honored in this way um, here in 2024. Yeah. I mean, he was just a part of like, I mean, you know, that the, those great teams, but you look at those great teams. I mean, you had Dent hall of famer, Dan Hampton hall of famer, Mike Singletary, Hall of Famer, and then you mix in the other guy. It would have been like sometimes it was Al Harris, sometimes it was you know the Fridge, you know Mike Hartenstein. They 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 switched who the other guy was, and then you had Otis Wilson, who unfortunately had a few injuries, or his career would have lasted a little bit differently, maybe longer. And then they traded away Wilbur Marshall, which I think Wilbur was one of the most underrated guys in that front seven. He was that undersized linebacker that we see now who hit so hard and was so fast, and you had McMichael in there who was steady, made plays all the time, was consistent because Hampton had some injuries. He had a bunch of knee issues. Uh, Dent broke his leg one year, but Mongo was the consistent guy. Like he, I think he played, I think, I can't remember who it was. He had a, a consecutive game streak, uh, if I recall really? correctly. Yeah, I mean, it is a defensive lineman. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it was just, and then, I mean, you know, you can go on later after you retired, you got into the, you know, the wrestling stuff a little bit and whatever, <laughs> you know, but just a, just a, just a, 
a Chicago, he was a Chicago bear. He wasn't the guy that just here and then moved away. Like he was one of our own. And it's, oh, yeah. uh, it's just cool to see him respected and honored. Um, and I, and I, I don't think it was due to this ALS. I think it's because we recognize he was that good of a talent as he should have been. I mean, you have teams again that changed the game. I mean, you, you look at what Brian Flores and what some, what Spagnola, the, the threat of the blitz and these unique blitzes, it started with Buddy Ryan, you know, in the 46 named after Doug Plank and, and Fensick, but it was Mongo was in the middle of that. Oh, yeah. I mean, just a legendary player on a legendary defense that deserves the honor. And mm-hmm. it's stoked. I, I think this all but confirms the Bears are going to play in the Hall of Fame game, right? I think so, too. Yep. Which neat i mean hey even if that's not uh even if that's not caleb williams even if that's not justin fields not drake may not Jaden daniels it'll be sick experience for some of the younger guys on the roster to come up here and fight for depth spots uh here's one question that we'll end on here all right and I, this is another curveball that i have not asked you yet right so strap in speaking of the hall of fame game chances are the bears qb2 or QB3 will play in that game. Let's assume the QB2 at least takes a couple snaps. Does Tyson Bagent play in the Chicago Bears Hall of Fame game? Oh, I think so, yes, because he's cheap. He's, I mean, for what he is, even if he's QB2 or 3, I mean, you talk about having the kind of the the bargains like Braxton Jones is a bargain right because of how cheap he is and yes. how good he can play yes. I think I think you keep Beijing no matter what as your two or your three no matter what they do because it's a good value and he'll, he'll get better again y'all he was a rookie last year like he'll get better too so yeah I think he will be he'll take some snaps in that game I'm really interested to see if the Bears want one of those like coach on the field guys to basically come cool. in and play veteran well, we is talked it? about this I think right mm-hmm. yeah take Drew Locke but I still think you keep Beijing as your three it, it also doesn't make a lot of sense to just talking out loud, like a Marcus Mariota type makes sense in a world where you could get him. But if you only have $30 million of like pie to throw around, that's way too big a chunk. And so mm-hmm. it it's an interesting thought because I think Bajit as a second year player, to be honest with you, Nick, he's probably not the right guy you want in your locker room. There's not a this is not me coming after Tyson. Tyson, if you're listening, I think you rule. It's more mm-hmm. that the fans almost need a division between this is the rookie and this is the not rookie, right? Whereas oh, Tyson Bajant still counts as a young quarterback in the eyes of the fans. I was thinking of just, you want a guy with a lot of like NFL experience. Well, that too. Uh, well, like, because I, I mean, I was watching some interviews here. I mean, Matt Harmon, you know, a guy I really respect, a, a friend I would call him. He, um, he interviewed Puka Nakua and Puka talked about how, how much Cooper cup took him under his wing and like helped him out. And that's the kind of what you right. would hope for your backup quarterback, not a guy in his second year, but and you know, Tyson, Tyson may be able to share a whole bunch of tips, but he just doesn't have say Andy Dalton's experience, right. Yeah. Or yeah. somebody that really has like the other thing that I think is not easy. And the main reason I think I bring this up, Nick, cause I, I mean, I think it's interesting is if, you can't have Tyson Bajan as your QB3. If you do, you need to make a roster spot for him. You can't cut him. Like, I mean this completely seriously. Kid just went two and two in the NFL. Like, mm-hmm. there is a team out there that has yeah. Brett Ripien. Not literally. I think he's out of the league. But there's a team that was rostering Brett Ripien. They are going to pick up Tyson Bajan as their outright backup quarterback, especially if he just hits the free agent 
or like if he hits waivers and you're claiming his UDFA contract, oh my gosh, it's yeah. going to be a team that seems that sees that kind of value. Mm-hmm. So what do you do with him? Right? He's, well, he, I think he stays in the 53 and he, he's that emergency third if you do get that veteran quarterback or he's your backup. Hey, I'm just saying. You and I talked about this all preseason. We were on that page train early. And I know. To him. But, I know. Nick, you got anything else before we close up and go watch ourselves a Super Bowl? Nothing. Uh, I mean, one, just y'all be kind on Twitter. We, we don't know what's going to happen. Just leave your mind open to options. And then I, I'm, I'm working on that big statistics article, man. Like, yes. I gave you guys some of it, but it is. It's fun. It's juicy. I didn't even talk about teams that made the playoffs. If that increased, decreased, and how many wins were up and down. So it's a, it's a lot of data, but it's fun. So that might be coming on to football guys. I'm still seeing if they'll, they'll take it. So I'm excited, man. And if not, Hey, you can always run it on DBB. I am in charge of the site. So. I, I know a guy. <laughs> you you, you think got of it in. Oh, you man. got it in. I got, I got to give him a call. We'll see if he'll, he'll <laughs> hey, Thank you guys so much. If you enjoy the show, leave a like on whatever platform you're listening to. Drop us a five-star review. Send us a comment on Twitter, YouTube, anything. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't. And until next time, bear down. And thanks so much for bearing with us. 